You're listening to a sermon podcast from Agape Baptist Church, recorded live from our Sunday service. Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading is from 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 6 to 15. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you have received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labour we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to learn and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, good morning, church. Can you all hear me? I wish I can be there in person to deliver today's sermon. Uh, my family is very grateful uh, for all your prayers, for myself and Naomi, for the complete healing of COVID. Sufan and I were particularly tickled by one of the prayer messages that says, God will sufficiently heal me for this sermon. So after that, I can go to bed and rest, but I still want to pray for God to heal me completely. So pardon me later if I have to cough or take a sip of water. Now today with Nick and Andrew, uh, we are anchoring this year's Faith at Work series entitled Refining Our Perspective on Work. Pastor Tu has approached us a few months back to see if we can preach and share experiences. I will start off the first sermon by looking at why we work and how we should work. Nick is addressing frustrations at work and what do we do when work proves futile. Lastly, Andrew will preach how we should work to bring about flourishing to the workplace and for ourselves. Now, can I get all of you to turn to someone and say, God has a message for you. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes and our hearts to see you through kingdom's lens. Holy Spirit, use me to speak one of them. May I decrease and Christ increase. Amen. Before we go into today's passage, let us first start with Genesis to understand what's God's intention of work. In Genesis 1, 
and 2, God has shown himself as a worker. He wore various occupational hats from planner, designer, engineer, real estate developer, project management, and many more. The psalmist also declares that God who keeps Israel neither slumber nor sleep. And that is in Psalms 1 to 1 verse 4. And Jesus said, My Father is working now, and I am working. That's in John 5 verse 17. In Genesis 2, God has created Adam and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work on it. Now, he has also placed us in the different vocations of work. We are all God's fellow workers. So whether you are a doctor that reflects something of God's healing power, or an artist that reflects God's creative ability, or a homemaker that manages the household, you are reflecting God's love for order. We are all created to work for the creation, for the preservation, and for the redemption of this world. But what happens if some are unwilling to work? Today's passage is on Paul's commands and warnings against idleness. This sermon will be divided into three parts. Firstly, why work? Secondly, warning against idleness. And thirdly, how should we respond? Now, before we go into these uh, three parts, let's, let me just help to set the context of today's passage. Now, if you recall, Pastor Nan was preaching earlier on the book of Acts, where all the believers in the early church shared everything. They had no lack. Thessalonica was one of the major cities that Paul had gained some Gentile converts during his second missionary journey. Subsequently, he wrote his first letter to, in 1 Thessalonians to address some issues plaguing the new Christians. Paul stated in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, to aspire to live quietly and mind your own affairs and work with your hands so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. This implies that one of the problems of the early church in the church of Thessalonica were idlers and busybodies in the church. Furthermore, in his final instruction in the letter of 1 Thessalonians, he urged them to rebuke the idol, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. I believe that Paul's words only applies to those who are able but choose not to work. So this excludes those that are suffering, that are sick, you know, from various uh, physical or mental elements. And of course, those that are old, they're not able to work. Paul was addressing Christians that were able and choose not to work. However, later in 2 Thessalonians, these problems with idols and busybodies continued to trouble the church. As you can see in verse 6, 
Paul was addressing the church to keep away from those who idol. What is happening to the church of Thessalonica that resulted in Paul's jarring words to warn others to keep away from Christians who were idlers? Some scholars believe that there is a misunderstanding that had arisen due to the prominent theme of the second coming of Christ in his first letter. Some of these Thessalonica Christians were just doing nothing except expecting Christ to you know, come soon and take them away. As such, they spend their free time meddling in others' affairs, causing problems. And for the rest of the faithful members of the church, they had to support these free loaders. Did these idle Christians change? No. Obviously, they did not. And that is why Paul wrote another letter in 2 Thessalonians. And this is where our main passage for today is part of. Paul used Jesus' name to instruct believers to disassociate with anyone who is idling. Have nothing to do with them. Those that do not work, do not feed them. Keep away from these idlers. Now, when Paul says to keep away from idle Christians and let them not eat, it is not meant to be a punishment or to drive them out of church membership. But rather, it is to keep away from them so that they are aware of their actions and be ashamed of themselves. Paul wanted to do this because he still loved them and wanted to get them back on right track. So, how is this passage relevant to agape? Some of us may be thinking, okay, we are working in the corporate world, or we are homemakers, so this passage does not apply to me. Or some of you may say, I'm studying, so count me out. Others who have spent a large time of your life working may say, I am retired. This does not apply to me as I have done my fair share of work, and now I can relax and enjoy life. Now, maybe we can identify a group of idlers in our church and perhaps exclude them from bus and bond later. Let them not eat. Now, church, I want to try and answer this question. Why work? In last Sunday's Straits Times, three in four workers interviewed do not intend to retire before age 65. Reasons cited were stay active, have a sense of purpose, maintain social connections, and lastly, to save up. For us, especially in Singapore, we have to build up our nest egg we have to accumulate enough in our CPF and there are no social benefits that we can rely from. And many of us need to have enough to be financially secure. For the homemakers out there, just as Paul did not eat the bread without paying, Proverbs 31 cautioned those watching over the affairs of the household not to eat the bread of idleness. 
Eating the bread of idleness could be indulging on Korean or Chinese dramas, social media, and shopping that could result in the piling up of laundry, neglect on household chores, and caring for the family. For those that are studying, you study hard so that you hope to find a good job later in life. So everyone's goal is working towards a life where you can retire happily. Is that the real reason why we work? How about us Christians? Is it to earn enough so that we can look forward to retirement and enjoy a life of idleness? Is this God's plan for us to work hard and then relax and enjoy life in the later years? A time where we can watch TV all day and relax to pursue life's pleasures. Of course not. If we do that, we are then no different and fall into the same almost and um, fall into almost the same category of the early Christians, where we are willing to work but choose not to. In verse 7, Paul urges the congregation to be imitating him and not idling. While he was there, he continued to work as a tent maker while his primary job was preaching and ministering to the church. Paul worked hard so that he may not be a burden for the church in Thessalonica. I can identify with Paul on God's purpose and the goodness that comes with work, especially during my one year going into the mission field in East Timor. While my original work was to engage the school and equip Shalom school teachers, the Lord opened doors for me to work in the World Bank and be attached as a consultant to work part-time with the government ministries of justice commerce, and finance. This additional work opened more doors for me to minister to others that is outside of Shalom School and do my part towards Timor's nation building. It has also become a source of income to support me and my family while we are there. Church, would we all be imitators of Paul instead of being idlers? I like this quote, which you will see on the screen. The Christian never retires from Christ's service. It is only the address of the workplace that changes. We are co-workers made in the image of God. God has created us to work. You can be volunteering your time at the airport as ambassadors, or even attending classes to learn about wine appreciation, where you get to mix with people and be connected. All these are ministry opportunities for God to use you. You may leave your job in a marketplace, or a church, or a Christian organization, and your vocation will change. But our life's work of walking with God and serving Him will not change. The work of a Christian will never cease until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. We kept on point one on why we work. 
because God is a worker. Regardless of your season in life, we are designed by God to work. This leads me to point two. When we are able to work and choose not to, we can be in either two states, idling or resting. What is rest and what is the difference compared to being idle? Do you all know what are the favorite words my daughters would be responding each time we urge them to study? I am resting. If we do not nag them again, they could be resting all day. Parents out there, you can identify, right? The key lies in the goal of each activity. One seeks to rest as commanded by God. The other seeks to rest as an end goal. Is idleness really that bad? I mean, almost everyone struggles with some degree of laziness, right? How bad could it be? When we choose idleness, it does not feel that we are doing anything wicked or bad. Maybe a little sleep, a little folding of hands to rest. How harmful is that? But by doing nothing, we are going against what God has designed us for. Charles Spurgeon denounced the great sin of idleness by calling it the root of all evil and the mother of mischief. Let's examine why in our text. In verse 11, Paul says that those that walk in idleness are busybodies. A busybody is someone that meddles in other people's life. Gossip is usually the favorite food for busybodies. The Bible has strong words for a busybody. As you can see here, in 1 Peter verse 4, Peter warned us, make sure none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a troublesome meddler. It is interesting to note that Peter lists meddling as bad as those that are murder, that those that steal. Now, let me tell you a story of one busy body that perhaps fit into what Paul and Peter were referring. It was spring and the weather was pleasant. This man who was supposed to be out working, decided to take a break. He delegated his duties to his staff and stayed at home. It was late one afternoon when he rose from his afternoon nap to walk on the top level of his house. Now, this man's estate was huge and it commanded a magnificent, magnificent view of the city down below. As he was walking in idleness, looking down at the city, his sights came upon a beautiful woman. She was bathing. Instead of turning away, he became curious. 
he wanted to find out who this beauty was. Being a busybody, he asked his servants to find out more. One thing led to the other, and this person ended up breaking all the Ten Commandments being laid out by God. Most of you would have guessed by now that this story is found in 2 Samuel chapter 11, the story of David and Bathsheba. We used to associate this very familiar passage with David's sins of lust and adultery. But if you look at verse 1, it clearly identifies the sin of idleness that led to David's downfall. Verse 1, it says, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David remained at Jerusalem. One thing led to the other. Where King David committed adultery, committed thievery, committed lying, murder, and the list goes on. It was idleness rather than lust that started David's descent to committing more and more sins. Church, we need to guard against the pockets of free time we have. What are we doing when we are free? In Proverbs 16, verse 27, idle hands are the devil's workshop, and idle lips are his mouthpiece. Are we using our mobile phones to check out juicy news, to offer critique and to, 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 to gossip about others, and in so doing, interfere in other people's lives? Most of us will think ourselves, will not think of ourselves as busybodies, but we need to guard against becoming one. From using apps like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram, it is now so convenient to be looking over the roof, talk like what David did. As you scroll through the various postings and pictures, be mindful of Paul's warning. Do not walk in idleness. When good is not accomplished, evil often takes its place. Church, can we repent against the sin of idleness? We need to guard our minds, our actions, our words. Else, idleness will lead us to sin against God. Look at King David. He loved God, and yet he fell. The devil can plant a thought in an idle mind, and the flesh will succumb to evil desires. So how are we keeping ourselves busy in our free time? Do we pray? Do we meditate on God's word? Do we encourage, do we engage in, in a purposeful fellowship? Now, some of you may know Nathan Conwell, the tall American. He has just left US <clears throat> after a one-year work stint in Singapore. Now, as part of my uh, cell group, uh, he has shared how he was committed to make his time in Singapore fruitful and purposeful. And it begins by joining a local church. 
prior to him coming to Singapore last year, he had already, you know, researched and, and through his Christian network found out about Agape. In his first month here, he has joined our cell, attended Christian education classes, served as usher, attended young adult cell activities, and participated in various church outreach programs like the PICU outreach. All just in one month. As a cell member, he has opened his home, led cell meetings, led worship, and even made snow skin mooncakes to bless cell members. This was despite a heavy work schedule in his day job that could stretch too late. Those that know him had been blessed by him. Nathan indeed has fully made use of his time in Singapore through his work and his service. Church, can we be more deliberate in planning our free or rest time? A Christian life is not just about giving our abundance where we can bless others materially or spend time when we are free. If you can come out the slide. At times, it calls for obedience and sacrifice. Let me just repeat that again. A Christian life is not just about giving out of abundance where we can bless others materially or spend time when we are free. At times, it calls for obedience and sacrifice. I remember the late Mrs. Lim, who was one of our pioneers in Agape. Although she became a Christian uh, later in her life, once converted, she wasted no time to serve the Lord and His people. Many of us have been blessed by her. She visited the sick in the hospital to pray for healing and gave comfort to the sick. She provided godly advice and encouragement to the young adults. She was generous in blessing people with good home-cooked food. She would open her home to Agapians to gather and fellowship. Up to the last days of her life, she continued to pray daily for our church, for our pastors. Let's all work for the Lord. May all our days of our life be filled with meaning and purpose. For the next part, let's look at the application of what Paul wanted the church to do. One is what should we do when we encounter idlers? And two, of course, is to persevere in doing good. Now, Paul has given us instructions what to do when we face idlers and busybodies in our Christian community. In verse 15, Paul reminded us not to regard these Christians as enemies, but still try to reach out to them as brothers. In our agape church setting, I think it is not easy to identify fellow believers as idlers. As most of us do not work or live together most of the time, it will be difficult to pinpoint who are the idlers and busybodies in our midst. So the good news is, no one is excluded from enjoying the food and drinks during bus and bond. So please go ahead and do so later. But on a serious note, in my workplace, I have encountered Christian subordinates who have been lazy and cut corners in their work. Also, 
some other fellow Christian brothers that had been disheartened and as a result slackened in their work and wanted to get up. My initial feelings were of disappointment as I had expectations on them. Their shortfall impacted the work I'm involved. For subordinates, it can be quite straightforward as I have an authority over them. I could grade them accordingly. I could warn them the possible consequences. But for peers, it is not natural for me to adopt what Paul had instructed. The easy way is just ignoring the issue and silently disassociate with them. Thankfully, I have not encountered any Christian who had been so wayward that they perceived that they persist in their idleness over prolonged periods of time that warrants disassociation. But what happens if we encounter one in our church? Applying what Paul had commanded, we are to disassociate them, but disassociate this person. And why do we want to do that? Is to protect the testimony and purity of the church and also to prevent this brother or this sister to unduly influence others in the church. The culture of honour and shame is a big deal then in Paul's time, especially when the believers were already shamed once in the pagan society when they accepted to be a Christian. So if the church then rejected them, they were double shame. <coughs> in our context, the unrepentant believer can simply live, live agape, walk down the road and attend another church or to one of those hundreds of churches across Singapore. The last application is from verse 13. Paul urged us not to grow weary in doing good. Here, we are talking about doing good for others. Notice that there was no mention of doing good work, but just do good. Doing good is bigger than work. Doing good is bigger than your nine to five jobs. If you are unable to work, it's okay. You can still do good. If you are able and already working, praise God for the gift of work. Continue to do good. If you are in school, study, Strive for the best and do good. If you are retired, think about ways you can advance the kingdom. Help, serve, care for others, pray, do good. Church, as we do good, we are displaying the fruits of the Spirit. This will attract others to know who we are as followers of Christ. The brothers who are idlers in the church of Thessalonica had adopted a lying flat attitude towards work. They view work on earth meaningless. They were anticipating a quick return of Christ to take them away from this world and choose to walk in idleness. Is this how we are expected to behave in anticipation of Christ's return? Would Jesus have approved of what we have done when he returns? Recall in Jesus' parable in Matthew 25. When Jesus returned, are we expecting him to tell each one of us, Well done, 
good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I have set you over much. Now enter into the joy of our master. Church, remember, we are now serving a new master. Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. He has placed each and every one of us in our current place of work or state in life. Is this reflected in the way you work? Do your actions show that you are a follower of Christ? Let me illustrate using two examples. My cell member, Shui, uh, she's a MOE teacher, and she's recently been posted to a temporary work stint at MOH. So during the last four months, she worked in their call center helpline taking care of COVID-related inquiries. Uh, There was a colleague in her department that struggled to lead his team as he was weak in product knowledge. And uh, this was despite many attempts to to brief him, to teach him. Shui took it upon herself to take time out to help this colleague, including making extra efforts to draw out workflows to help him understand processes better. When others in the same department found out about it, they, they judged her and told her that she had been taken advantage of. She shouldn't have done that. She regarded her, they regarded her foolish. When she shared this in our cell meeting to ask if she had done the right thing, we affirmed her actions. Her motivation was to help her clueless colleague and her actions displayed Christ-likeness. There was no need for her to go an extra mile, but this display would make her as a Christian stand up. If you are an employee, would you be willing through acts and deeds do good, sometimes at the expense of others calling you foolish? In my workplace, I have been blessed with a good Christian boss. He has publicly professed to be a servant leader and privately praying to God where we would gather in twos and threes to commit any major projects into the Lord's hands. He had been supportive when I decided to take a one-year break from work to the mission field. He had also contributed when I had to raise funds for my work there. From his works, from his words, from his actions, he has demonstrated he has a kingdom mindset. So if you are an employer, if you are a supervisor, if you are a boss, would you encourage those under you to be a follower of Christ? Let me wrap up. Behind all the good is the motivation to do good. What is the reason to do good? The reason to do good at work, at home, in school, whether you're employed or unemployed, able to work, not able to work. The reason we do good is because of Jesus Christ. Paul, in verse 9, urges us to imitate him. And we all know who Paul is imitating. Jesus is the main reason why 
we labor to the best of our ability to the glory of our Father. Do I need to remind you this morning that Jesus labored tirelessly for our souls? Do you need to be reminded this morning for this truth? Do I need to remind you that Jesus does not have a single idle cell in his body? The devil tried to lure him away into idleness in the three, tempta- in the three temptations, and Jesus resisted. And he told Satan, get behind me. Jesus' goal had been to labor for the souls of our people, of his people. Do I need to remind you that Jesus dedicated his life to securing the fruitfulness of our labor? This morning, when we sang, He is worthy, we knew that Jesus is the Lamb who died, cancelling our death and rising from the grave to reign on high. He labored all the way to his death, bearing our sins on the cross. Today, Jesus sits on the right side of the right side of God, <coughs> still busy working. He is praying for each and every one of us. And every time we lift our voices and our hearts to pray, we are praying in his name. This morning, we stand rested on Jesus' finished work on the cross. There is no more striving and having to prove oneself, but rather a simple call to be warned on the sin of idleness and to do good. Therefore, Christ's impending return should lead us away from idleness. Can I now invite the worship team to come up as we close this time with a ministry song. This morning, we are reminded to guard our hearts, guard our minds, guard our time against the sin of idleness. I have mentioned at the start of the sermon that God has a message for each of you. Now you know God has placed us here on this side of eternity to do work, to do good. Church, can we all rise as we sing this song, Hosanna? Let us repent as a body of Christ against the sin of idleness. And as the Holy Spirit stirs in our hearts, raise your hands later to answer this call. Continue to do good as a Christian never retires from Christ's service. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast. You can find more of our sermons online on our website at www.agape.org.sg